Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. This week, Stan and Ollie looks behind the scenes at a beloved duo. Just not too hard. Pretty empty last night. I guess people just don't want to see Laurel and Hardy anymore. Has he been pushing you a little too hard, babe? You know, Stan. Is Escape Room a harmless team-building game or, like, not? Got it! about immersive what's wrong with you that was real and vox lux is something unexpected about popular culture he wanted a show i gave him a show hello i'm simon morris if there's one thing this year's Oscar winners have taught us, it's that occasionally it's nice to stay away from the tried and tested, whether it's old-fashioned genre pictures or trendy new comic book titles. Why not do your own thing? Recreate memories of your childhood in Mexico City or stories your dad told you about the bad old days of racial segregation or simply remember old favourite movies and bands. The winners at this year's Academy Awards were harder to pick than usual, which is why the Oscars were spread so thinly around. Certainly the Academy seemed to follow the current trend in other polls, which is experts, what do they know? Both big winners, Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book, did so over the objections of many of the critics. Aloha. And thank you to the members of the Academy. It's uh, such a privilege. This is like a dream. Incidentally, I've never seen so many flock to take credit as the many producers of Green Book who thronged on the stage behind Peter Farrelly, the world's least likely Oscar winner. Who can forget Farrelly's triumph at the 2013 Golden Razzies when his movie 43 picked up the much-deserved worst film of the year? All these awards are because Vigo and Mahershala and Linda, but it started with Vigo. And I give you this, my friend... Also, you may have noticed, I didn't get to thank a lot of people before, so I'm going to jump in. I want to thank Steven Spielberg, Ron Meyer, Brian and Aileen Roberts. Meanwhile, the film the critics had picked, Roma, only did so-so. Not so much a snub at Netflix who produced it, but because it frankly only looked any good at the cinema, where it showed for about two weeks. Interestingly, these Oscars were hailed as more diverse. Black Panther Ruth Carter! This is the first Oscar and third nomination for Ruth Carter. She was previously nominated in this category for Malcolm X and Amistad. 
Films like Black Panther, Black Klansman and If Beale Street Could Talk all showed the Academy was taking the recent Oscars So White accusations seriously. Far fewer women-led projects, I notice, but maybe Hollywood is sorting out the Oscars one hashtag at a time. It was nice, if unexpected, to see America fall in love with the favourites Olivia Colman. I, I used to work as a cleaner and I loved that job. I did spend quite a lot of my time imagining this. Oh, please wrap up. Right, OK. And, um... Uh, thank you. Well, this week sees three films following three distinct passions. And the sweetest and safest is the always reliable tribute to old Hollywood. In this case, Stan and Ollie. What time is it now? All this. Do we really need that trunk? Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy were one of the most popular double acts ever. But can the comedy of a gentler past make the transition to a more impatient present? Wouldn't today's audience prefer something like low-budget thriller Escape Room? Hey, the A-Pop. It's missing from the pool table. Yeah. Let me check these Q-Rats. Maybe it's over here looking at Escape Room is clearly the work of a fan of every Bloomhouse thriller ever made, from its cast of nobodies to its half-smart, half-stupid plotting. And the third film this week is the hardest to peg. Is Vox Lux a pop parody or a serious critique of today's social media culture? So tell me, how many of you have cried yourself to sleep at night? Well, it turns out the answer is a bit of both, and surprisingly good. The surprises coming mostly on the soundtrack. But first, a comedy duo who started before movies even had a soundtrack, Stan and Ollie. We're at West Scene 12, take one. Oh, what's after the curtsies? Uh, after the curtsies, knee bend, then turn and shake. Got it. Camera set. All right, back projection. Cue music. Action. It's hard to overstate just how big the comedy team of Englishman Stan Laurel and American Oliver Hardy were in the 1930s and 40s. They were about the biggest thing in movies, despite, or perhaps because of, their innate modesty. The show must go on. That was pure magic. It's brilliant. Pint-sized Stan was the gag writer, a contemporary of Chaplin and Keaton, and just as obsessively driven. Oversized Ollie, known to all his friends for some reason as Babe, was the essential foil with his delicate gestures and eternal patience. Separate, Stan and Ollie had been good. Together, they were a phenomenon around the world. In the Mountains of Virginia on the trail of the lonesome pine. In the blue mountains of Virginia on the trail of the But the film Stan and Ollie finds the pair near the end of their careers. Despite their film successes, they saw very few of the profits, most of which went into the pocket of notoriously tight-fisted studio boss Hal Roach. What are you looking for, Stan? I'm looking for a fair price for a Laurel Hardy picture, and you know it. 
Our pictures sell all around the world and we haven't got a dime. That's because we keep getting divorced. No, it's because you're a cheapskate who got rich off our backs. Oh, come on now, Steve. He is. He's a cheapskate, a skin flint, and a, and a parvenu. A parvenu? The boys are offered the chance of a late career revival, the promise of an English movie based on Robin Hood. And as they wait for the finances to come through, they agree to do a farewell tour of Britain. Hollywood legends Mr Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy arrived in Britain today as they embarked on a national tour. We're doing this while we're waiting for this new picture to come together. I'm going to make sure that this tour gets off on the right foot. Laurel and Hardy are played very well under the makeup by, respectively, Steve Coogan and John C. Riley. But the problem with artists as well known as Stan and Ollie is trying to capture that elusive and often inimitable something that made them great. We'd like to finish now with a little dance. You sure? I can do it. I'll miss this when we're gone. So will you. A lot of that, of course, is down to changing fashion in comedy. Five years on, most comedy reduces from a riot to quite funny. Now try 50 years on. And part of the point of Stan and Ollie is that their old audience in 1953 had moved on from the pair's heyday 15 years before. Pretty empty last night. I guess people just don't want to see Laurel and Hardy anymore. Has he been pushing you a little too hard, babe? You know, Stan... But this film isn't really trying to revive old-school comedy sketches for generations who've never heard of them. It's more about tapping into what made the duo timeless. Can Stan and Ollie maintain their magic under siege from rundown theatres, dodgy entrepreneurs and their two spiky wives, Lucille Hardy and Ida Laurel? It's amazing that you two are still going strong, still using the same old material. There they are. Such a wonderful reception, isn't it, Ida? It's okay. Two double acts for the price of one. Were Stan and Ollie themselves just a marriage of convenience put together by the studio to make money? Or was what we saw on the screen the real thing, despite the fine messes they regularly found themselves in? I couldn't sleep for days when they told me what you did. You're just a lazy ass. Got lucky because you met me. Lucky to spend my life with a man who hides behind his typewriter? You betrayed me. Betrayed our friendship. You're hollow. The movie Stan and Ollie may ask these questions, but it's clear the writer and director, Brits Jeff Pope and John S. Baird, have already agreed on the answers. For them, Laurel and Hardy were exactly how they remembered them and deserved a more fitting send-off than they actually got. I love you, but I won't stand by and watch this nutty tour put you in a wooden box. I should never have had us take this tour. I love him, Ida. Steve Coogan and John C. Riley too, commit themselves fully to this rather fairy tale version of Stan and Ollie's last hurrah. But who wants to see a brutally realistic Laurel and Hardy film anyway? The question, who wants to see a Laurel and Hardy film at all in 2019, is a little harder to answer. When you watch our movies, it was just the two of us. each other. <laughs> Comedy mostly works in the moment, taken out of its context, pre-war Hollywood, say, or post-war Britain. With the best will in the world, it's harder to see the joke. Stan and Ollie is a sweet little film, but I suspect you'll respond more strongly to the sentiment than the slapstick. She never regret Rianne. And you shouldn't regret Rianne either. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Stan Laurel and Mr. Oliver Hardy. Sometimes it's nice to go to a film knowing nothing. No idea who's in it, say, and no hint from the poster what to expect. Well, that was certainly my experience going into a film called Escape Room. Apart from it being called Escape Room, of course. Little boxes on the hillside, and they all look just the same. With a title like Escape Room, there's no chance this film is going to be a musical or a breezy romantic comedy or a superhero blockbuster. It's going to be a small group of people trapped in a room and trying to get out, surely. And so it transpires. That looks real. It's kind of warm up in here. Uh, excuse me, we'd like our hit now, please? Well, that's creepy as hell. That said, producer Neil H. Moritz from the Fast and Furious franchise knows how to put together an expert little B-movie. Escape Room certainly starts with a bang. A guy called Ben crashes into a room during the opening credits and desperately tries to get out. And then we flash back to three days earlier. Little boxes on the hillside Little boxes that's the way to do it, Neil. I think we're all suitably intrigued. We then do a quick roundup of the people we're going to be spending the next couple of hours with. Uh, yeah, I'm here for the escape room. Mike. Amanda. When does the game start? You remember Ben, the early room crasher. Three days before, he was a loser in a packing room somewhere. We know he's a loser because he keeps trying to light a cigarette. We know it's 2019 because he very rarely succeeds. Next up, there's a super smart but fatally diffident student called Zoe. You want to control your life, but life isn't a science experiment. You can't contain your world forever. Try doing one thing that scares you over break, okay? And across town, there's a smug, narcissistic yuppie called Jason. Don't worry, we'll pick up everyone else in a minute. Suffice to say, these people not only get a one-line character description, they also get given a mysterious box. A box containing a cryptic invitation. This serves as an entry voucher. For Minos escape, escape rooms. rooms. Be, the Be the first, first to escape our most immersive room yet. And win a million dollars. Go to a certain address, it says, and win big money. With nothing better to do, our three lead characters arrive at a waiting room. There they meet the B-team. Blue-collar Mike, tough cookie Amanda, and Asian geek boy Danny, who's immediately put on exposition duty. So, uh, when does the game start? I think this is the escape room. We should look for clues. What are we looking for here? Anything that looks like a puzzle or a code. It looks like an oven dial. So we can look forward to a series of fiendishly intricate puzzle rooms they all have to get out of. You know, like a real-life video game. But we wonder, or we wonder if we've seen films like Saw or the Michael Douglas movie The Game. Is it as safe as it looks? Is it getting hotter? How do we get out of here? It's Fahrenheit 451. Got it. Ah! Talk about immersive. What's wrong with you? That was real. 
Yes, it turns out to be real. Incredibly elaborate rooms with ovens built into them. Or a real-looking frozen lake inside a room, remember? Or an upside-down pool room that starts falling to pieces around them. In other words, the sort of thing that anyone with millions of dollars and an engineering degree could knock up in their spare time. Wow. Dumb question. Are we outside? As soon as we get this figured out, as soon as we get the hell out of here. Like all such elaborate torture chambers, going back to the daddy of them all, Edgar Allan Poe's Pit and the Pendulum, I suppose, the premise makes very little sense if you think about it. So the trick is, of course, don't give the audience any time to think about it. Who would do this? An unfamiliar cast actually works for a film like Escape Room since we have no idea who's going to remain standing at the end. The best things about this film, bearing in mind that this is not a movie you associate with the phrase the best things about it, is that it's occasionally ingenious, the acting is serviceable, and it holds up quite well until the last ten minutes or so. They knew everything about us. This is my hospital bed. Me too. They made these rooms for us. Have you ever seen things that weren't there before? I am not imagining this. Like all films of its ilk, Escape Room falls to pieces when it attempts to explain itself. But it's now no longer trying to reach a plausible conclusion. It's gearing up for the inevitable cheaper sequels. Escape Room 2. Escape Room, a new beginning. Carry on escaping. I think I may pass on those. That's why they chose us. And they all look just the same. The film Vox Lux can claim the year's most confronting openings so far. A music class run by a popular teacher is interrupted by a former pupil who then hauls out a gun and kills everyone in the class, all but one. The survivor, Celeste, translates her experience in an unexpected way. Please join me in welcoming Celeste Montgomery from Stephanie Dwyer's 8th grade class. With the help of her sister Ellie, she writes a song about her feelings. It goes viral and becomes the start of Celeste's career as a pop superstar. At the advice of a producer, Celeste would change the lyric from I to we. And shortly thereafter, the entire country fell in step with her sentiment. It was not her grief. It was theirs. No longer merely her experience, they reclaimed it as their own. Over the course of the following year, the song would become an anthem for the nation. Simply put, it was a hit. When the pointed, rather sarcastic narration of Willem Dafoe kicks in, we get our first inkling as to where Vox Lux may be heading. The film, written and directed by former actor Brady Corbett, is not so much a snapshot of pop stardom as one of the whole pop culture of the last 20 years. You and your parents chose me to guide you through this, so I want you to remember what I told you. You're just dancing in your bedroom, and no one's looking at you, and 
you ain't got a care in the world, okay? Celeste has given a manager a great performance by Jude Law and a career path on the back of her name recognition. She's the kid who survived, the girl with the songs, even if the songs are often provided by other people. Vox Lux clearly knows this territory very well. Can you tell us what audiences can expect from the new album? This is a culmination of my life's work so far. I was under a lot of stress after my accident. But that's what this show is about. It's about rebirth. Celeste may owe something to pop divas of the era, from Madonna and Britney Spears to Katy Perry and Lady Gaga, but there's more to her than a simple type. Celeste's failings, according to the film, are also the failings of the times. It's the age of instant gratification, of self-centred attention-seeking and the millennial wine. What? And when they weren't paying attention, everyone got together and they voted. The traditions of the past are ugly. The past wreaks too much of ugly old people and death. Mom's got to stay fresh. So far, so facile, of course, putting the boot into millennials and what passes for popular culture in the age of the internet and social media is like shooting fish in a barrel these days. But the team that director Corbett has assembled to explore this message is pretty dazzling. It's a weird world we live in. And the way I've chosen to live my life... Please don't follow me. ...goes against some people's views on things. Natalie Portman as Celeste, 16 years on, is startlingly good. As sharp and convincing a pop star as she was a prima ballerina in Black Swan. Here, she's a monster, but we still find ourselves sympathising with her predicament. Do you mind if I get a quick picture with you? Mom, I'm worried about you. You're worried about me. The younger Celeste and later Celeste's daughter are both played by the talented Raffi Cassidy, while Sister Ellie is played by another actor to watch, Stacey Martin. But in fact, much of the firepower of Vox Lux isn't up on the screen. The songs, crucial to convincing us Celeste could actually be a pop sensation, are written by genuine pop sensation Sia, and the music score and arrangements are by the even more legendary Scott Walker, no less. They wanted a show. I gave them a show. Walker's overpowering strings combine with Sia's songs and Natalie Portman's performance to create something genuinely disturbing, particularly when they combine with random acts of 21st century violence, some real, some fictitious, and unquestioning support from Celeste's fans. All that matters is that you have an angle. It's simple. Tying it all together is the sardonic narration of Willem Dafoe watching Celeste's career play out in front of us. Is this all we deserve, he seems to ask. Can't anyone else see what's going on here? 
I keep feeling like big moments get stolen away from me. You know, sometimes you just get kicked while you're down. Vox Lux is not the sort of film that will pick up easy awards, even if it is better than so many that do. But it's a hard film to forget, partly because the story is repeated every five years or so in the real pop world. And on that reminder of the unreliability of fame and awards, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.